Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. This is Ayers on the Road. We are so glad to be back today. And we're happy to say to all of you, no matter where you are or who you are, happy Mother's Day this weekend. Yes, we're recording this um, the Saturday before Mother's Day, and we're not no, sure no, when no, you'll be recording. hearing it. We should have a Mother's Week instead of a Mother's Day, don't you think? <laughs> we should have a Mother's Month. That, I don't know. That has a little alliteration, a Mother's Month. We've been thinking about Mother's Day for a long, long, long time because we, um, I just did this grandmothering book, especially for Mother's Day. So we've been thinking about it a long time. It's the first time I've ever known when Mother Day, Mother's Day really was. A week before it actually happened, but anyway, so we're, we're going to kind of we're going to kind of flit in and out of Mother's Day topics and thoughts today. But we do have another theme for the show, and I want to I want to introduce it for today's show a little in a little different way, Linda, because it's something we've talked about before on the show. But we're going to talk about it in a little different perspective today. So I want to ask you two questions, Linda, and Linda's not prepared for this; she doesn't know what these questions are. I'm okay? never prepared for you, honey. All right. So f- question number one, um, what is the value of stories? Why, why are stories so important in general? Why, why do people find a tremendous sort of appeal in stories? And, and what do stories do for us, speaking generally in, in terms of our lives? Why are stories important? Isn't that interesting that You can be listening along to somebody speaking and you're like, yeah, yeah, I know. And, oh, that's interesting. But as soon as they start on a story, then you're engaged because we love stories. And, you know, it it applies to what's going on, but it applies to somebody's life. It's personal. It's uh, something that happened to them or something that they know about uh, that happened to someone else. And it's real life. I really love stories. Well, and you know, storytelling is a, is an art that's as old as, as human beings, but it's enjoying a resurgence lately. Maybe, maybe some of you listeners realize this, but there are big clubs in, in New York city, for example, they're called storytelling clubs. Oh, in New York city, all over the world. Wow. The biggest storytelling, um, event in the world is down at Thanksgiving point. Yeah, and I they, think it's coming right up. The, it's in just Utah. it's a resurgence, and it's interesting that in an age of electronics and texting and Instagramming and and technology, this old art of of a voice telling a story is is enjoying this wonderful resurgence in popularity. You know, um, because Mother Day Mother's Day is on us. Um, I heard a funny thing the other day that uh, Jimmy Fallon did on his. Uh, show he collected funny stories about what things mothers did and one I remember is the mother would always get the kids in they'd get them belled and everything go in the car and then whenever she'd come to a stop line she'd stop really fast so everybody'd have to kind of lean forward and she'd say bow to mother <laughs> I oh. thought that was funny. <laughs> well that's a little diversion there Linda but no but it's a story <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm talking about. They're, they they collected stories from mothers, which okay. was so fun. So so let me get – that was good. I like that. So let me get to my second question, um, and then I'm going to tie these two questions together. The first one is why are stories important? The second question is this, and you may find no relationship with this, but we'll tie them together. Second question is what would you – would it be important to you as a parent – 
if you had kind of a magic bullet, if you had some kind of an idea that would that would actually give your children a, a sense of security, a sense of identity, uh, an, an identity larger than themselves that would give them a kind of an inner fulfillment and confidence that they could carry with them wherever they went and that would actually give them a kind of a toughness, a kind of a resilience so that even when their day went badly or even when they had a big disappointment, they would be able to overcome that and to rise above it and to have an optimistic attitude. If, if you had a magic bullet that could do those things, what would you give for that as a parent? It's really true that um, the, the hardest thing we deal with with our children and our grandchildren are hard times. And when they're going through struggles that, and everybody has one, um, whenever somebody asks me how my family is, I say, everybody's fine except the one that's in crisis this week. I mean, somebody's always in crisis. They need a way to get through those hard times. They need not only a way to get through hard times, but a way to just feel like they know who they are and like no matter what happens, they have a sort of an inner toughness and inner confidence that, that gets them through things and that helps them to feel good, helps them to feel optimistic and and fulfilled every day. Wouldn't that be something if there was some little pill you could give a child and he'd take it and he'd have all those things? Well, guess what? I know you too well. I know where you're going. Okay, drum roll, drum roll. Now we're going to reveal why those two questions are related to each other. It, it turns out that the research that's being done lately on a lot of, a lot of fronts, we have one favorite author that's done this resource, research, but there's a lot of studies going on that all kind of show the same thing. This may surprise some of you listeners. It shows that when your children or when any children know the stories of their ancestors, it is remarkable that that turns out to be the magic bullet. Those stories are the thing that gives children identity and toughness and resilience and most important sort of makes them feel like in this complicated world they live in, they have, they know who they are. They know where they come from. They know what blood runs in their veins. They know who they are in capital letters. And so the subject of today's show is ancestor stories. Now, in the Mormon church, we've known about the importance of ancestor stories for a long, long time. And we do genealogy and we have this incredible resource called ancestors.com and familysearch.org. And we know how to find stories about our ancestors. But that's that used to be kind of an, an interesting and peculiar thing. Now everyone in the world, it seems, is trying to do genealogy, trying to find out where they came from, what their genetics are. Well, remember the movie Coco that came yeah. out this year. Remember Hamilton, who has been so people have been crazy about that lately, um, right. about his wife writing his story. And it is it has just come alive everywhere. People are thinking about their ancestors, and actually, it's ancestry.com. Ancestry.com. But we're but so we're applying it. What we're doing today is taking a trend, a style, a, a new momentum that's happening all over the world, and trying to apply it to children specifically. The idea that children really 
need more than ever, more than any other time because of this disconnected world we live in. They really need to have this tie to who their ancestors are, to know their stories. Stories are powerful. And actually, it isn't only your ancestors. It's your parents. And I wouldn't call my mother my ancestor yet, even though she's been gone for what quite a while. But um, it's your stories, your stories that you need to pass on to your children when you have hard times. Interestingly, we were sitting today with, um, I mean, this week with three of our boys who are starting a new business. We have a son who is an entrepreneur at heart. And uh, they were talking, they had one of their big um, funders come in and he was doing a presentation and they showed a picture uh, from a movie called The Happiness Project. And it was Will Smith cold calling people, um, just repeating his name over and over again. And this is what I want to talk to you about and stuff. And it reminded me of when we very first started a little business called Joy School. We didn't think about it a business, but we thought about it as trying to get the word out. And we sat at your mother's house, honey, and we had three different phone lines. I think she was helping us. And we were cold calling people asking uh, do you have a preschooler that might be interested in this? Do you know somebody that has a preschooler that might be interested in this? It was an amazing time for us. But our boys that were sitting in that room had never heard that story. They oh, thought our yeah. lives were just, you know, we're just fine. And we just sailed off. They with didn't a new know about company. some of the struggles we had. With yeah, that. that's and, true. <clears throat> Kids need to, I mean, that's, that's the point. I mean, these ancestor stories if they're all sweetness and light, if they're just, I'm going to tell you a story about your great grandpa who was the president of a bank and who got an award and who ran the mile and, and set a record or whatever. If it's all just stuff like that, it's not going to have the power. It needs to be, Linda, you call it an oscillating story. What, what in the world does that mean? It reminds me of my osterizer. It mixes things up. What is an oscillating story? Well, um, it's, it's important to let kids know that, you know, life was happy um, in, at some certain time and then something really tragic happened and then they recovered from the tragedy. And, for example, my mother and my grandmother, Ida Weber, um, came from Switzerland as a little girl, a six-year-old, on a boat and was blown overboard and a man grabbed the back of her dress and pulled her back on. I mean, that's a story all of our kids know. Otherwise, if that man hadn't grabbed her, none of us would be here. But then they got here. She married my grandfather and they had 10 children and then the Spanish influenza came through Star Valley, Wyoming. And about half the population died. It was a horrible time. It was like the Black Plague. Only more people died. Worse, yeah. Than Black Plague. And, um, and World War One and Two combined. It was amazing. And it was a tragedy. Ten little kids. And then her two little babies died the same week she did. So there were eight children now left. Now you may say, why would you tell your kids a story that bad, that terrible, that horrible, give them nightmares. But then you make the story oscillate and you tell the kids how. What happened. What, what happened. happened how, they, how they handled it. Boy, it was pretty amazing. My mother was one of the older girls in the family. But the older girls and the boys as well really helped their father with those younger uh, children. We had a stepmother that finally came in and helped. And it was absolutely a wonderful story of every single one of those kids. Uh, the women became great teachers, influenced thousands of lives. And the men were all businessmen, farmers, people that 
really made a difference in people's lives. So even though you have a really hard experience, it can oscillate and it can be great. So you get our picture here. Kids realize that when they're having hard times, there is a way out. They're learning from things and they're really um, experiencing life as it really is hard stuff, but that they can recover. Now, a lot that, you know, a skeptical listener might be saying, oh, come on. Well, our kids live in a world where they have videos, they have entertainment, they have games, they have gadgets. How am I going to get them to sit there and listen to some dry old story about some grandpa who lived 100 years ago? They're not going to find that interesting. But let us tell you our experience. We recommend this to a lot of people. And, and we find that parents are amazed. I mean, you can't just reel this off without any preparation. But if you do a little research and if you find out you, you, the best thing is to write the story down. And then second half of the show, we're going to talk about creating a little ancestor storybook, which is a powerful idea. We think it's one of the 10 best parenting ideas we've ever come across. But we're going to tell you about that. But if you do the work to, to get this story and to put it in age appropriate language for a child, I'm going to make you a promise. Your kids will not only sit there and listen to the story, it'll become their favorite bedtime story. It'll become the kind of thing they want you to repeat over and over, especially if you make sure they understand. And even little kids, preschoolers can understand this, that if they, if this is their great grandfather, that's one of the eight people who they came from and they have the blood of that person. They have the genetics of that person. They have the characteristics of that person. And very small children can make that connection and realize I'm just not some little kid. I'm the product of these eight people or these four people, if you're talking about the grandparents. And that goes into a child and makes him strong in really special ways. Well, not only children, but parents. I have a grandmother. I've done a lot of research on six of my grandmothers for this book. And it's pretty amazing that... Um, I, what I found is I had a grandmother who had 13 children and 10 of them died in different ways at different ages before she did. I mean, that is a hard life. And when I came up to hard things in my life, I thought, you know what? If she can do that, I can do this. We're going to tell you that story and a couple of other stories just as samples. And so we're going to take a brief break. And when we come back, we'll continue thinking about Mother's Day this weekend, but also thinking about what we're calling the top 10 parenting tips, number seven, creating an ancestor book. We'll be right back after a short break. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back. Um, we're Today we're talking about um, parenting tip number seven of the ten that we have been doing on the ra this radio show. By the way, they're not in any particular order. If you were to look, look back through, we haven't done number six yet or number five, but we're just throwing them out and they have a number on them and we'll eventually do all ten of the top ten parenting tips. But, but this one's number seven. But it will be on BYU Radio so that you can click on it and um, find it no matter what whether it's 10 or 6 or whatever yeah and i'm just so happy to be doing this with you linda because you're the mother of the world and it's mother's day tomorrow and i'm so excited we're going to get together with our 
children who live close by and celebrate Mother's Day. Later tonight, we're going to celebrate Mother's Day Eve. That'll be pretty fun. We are, and today we are actually going to be down at Desert Book downtown at City Creek signing grandmothering and grandfathering books. Hey, that's a good point. If you're listening to this on Saturday and you live in Salt Lake City, come on by or and nearby. say hi to us. Come on by. We'll be at the Deseret Book down on South Temple. It's 45 South Temple. Signing South books and so on, and it'll just be a whole lot of fun. So come on down to 1230 to 2.30 today. So um, Linda went to grab something, and I'm just going to carry on a little with this whole idea of how powerful it can be when we manage to tell our kids wonderful stories about their ancestors. A lot of people think, oh, that's that's great, but, you know, we do it out of duty or we do it just because we're excited about genealogy or something, and we don't really realize the power that these stories can have with children, little children who learn more. Let me let me give you an example. Um, many, many, many years ago, we decided to start doing these ancestor stories really seriously, and uh, we were lucky enough, and I do, th- I think most people could do this, but at that time, this was a few number of years ago, and it was a little harder because uh, the uh, family search thing wasn't as profound as it is now. But we managed to come up with pictures, headshots of our, now think about this from the standpoint of our child. Imagine this as a family tree, and we've got a picture of a child on one of the limbs of the trees, one of our children. And then our picture, Linda and I, are on the trunk of the tree. And then there's four roots going down from that tree. And each of them has one of our parents on Linda's two parents and my two parents. So that's our kids' four grandparents. Then each of those limbs split into two. And there's a row of eight great-grandparents. And then they split again. And there's a row of 16 great-great-grandparents. And we were lucky enough to find pretty good, I mean, they're pretty stern, some of these old pictures of these folks, because <laughs> they, they didn't think they could smile. <laughs> no, no, because they had to sit for hours they and hold the same right. smile in order to get it on film. So we've got uh, all these pictures on this on the roots of this tree. And then when we would tell a story to the children, we'd say, now, this is the story of this guy right here. He's your great-grandpa. One-eighth of you comes from him. And then we'd tell this story. And the kids would be able to identify that person, and this is the story. And I just think we got to give an example. Let me give a quick example, then you give one, Linda. So one, one of the, and it surprises you what your kids like in stories. Grandpa Dan and the cat that came back, okay? So in a nutshell, and we wrote this up so it was a little longer and I had illustrations. By the way, in this ancestor book we want you to create for your kids, let the kids illustrate them, right, Linda? You write the story, but let a kid write the the, the, the illustration. You know, once they have an illustration in their minds, and we had our kids do this when they were like three, four, but and those are pretty sketchy. But by the time they're eight <laughs> or nine, sketches. they can do some really interesting, uh, beautiful artwork. We have one of this ship of this Grandma Ida coming across the ocean on the Franklin, 
And there are just hundreds of people on this ship, and it's all kind of <laughs> it took her a whole day to draw this picture. It was really, really interesting. But once she has that in her mind, it's there forever. It's such a good idea to have your kids illustrate When they the illustrate these stories. Now, again, we're kind of jumping around here, but imagine you've got a big book. You've found a book somewhere. It's got blank paper in it. You're calling it the ancestor book. You've got your family tree maybe on the cover. You're writing these stories. Kids are illustrating them so they have ownership in them. So imagine this one. I'm just giving you an example. I think we've got 40 or 50 stories now in that book. But Grandpa Dan and the cat that came back. So here's little Dan. He lives in Malmo, Sweden. His parents have a lot of children. His dad's a, a, a school teacher. And they live in the school. They live in the other side of the school. And they have a cat. And Dan loves this cat, but the family's so poor, they can't feed the cat. They can't even find enough money. And the cat's getting skinny, and, and finally, um, and they try to give it away, and no one wants it. And so Swen, Dan's dad, our kid's great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather, says, Dan, we're going to have to get rid of this cat. We can't let it starve to death. It's so cruel. Let's put it in a burlap bag. We'll tie a rock to it. We'll go on the bridge over the river and we'll throw the cat in. And it'll be more humane that the cat dies quickly than by starving. And poor little Dan's just crying and sad. And, but he follows his dad's advice and they do it together. And they're, they're so sad. And they come home from the bridge. And there, sitting on the step of their house, is the cat who somehow got out of the bag and escaped and got back and, and Swen says, Dan, this is a remarkable cat. He must have nine lives. We better, we better find a way. We'll, we'll scrimp and save a little more and we'll keep this cat and we'll find some food for him. Well, <laughs> what a funny little story, but our kids love that story. And, and if you saw the whole thing with their illustrations in it and how Dan was obedient to his father, but he, he just was so joyful when the cat came back. So my point is, it doesn't have to be some magnificent story. It can be any true story that you find about one of these ancestors, write it in children's language, have the kids illustrate it. Let it be part of this ancestor book of identity for your family. Yes, I, I totally agree. And I think all of our children know the story of my grandmother, Elizabeth Pedersen Jacobson, who, um, with her husband, joined the LDS Church in, in uh, Denmark many years ago in the mid-1800s. And they decided to immigrate. But they had six children. They lost their oldest daughter before they left with some disease and buried her. And it was so sad to leave those beautiful green hills of Denmark and they got on a ship and came across and somebody got on the ship with the measles. So three of their little girls died. They had to leave them over the overboard and leave them in the ocean. And their fourth little child, their boy died just as they saw in New York city and they had to bury him in New York. And then they ended up with one child. She walked across the plains pregnant for 1,000 miles, yeah. miles and got to um, Utah. And uh, that family was absolutely amazing. They still had some hard times, but then she had two more children in a log cabin in the middle of the winter with the door from the canvas, from the wagon, and the youngest one was my dad. And so 
that's the oscillating part. If yeah. she had stopped, if they'd stopped, it would have been a sad story for the rest of our family. But, you know, the reason we know this is that this Bruce Feiler, who we really, really admire. This author, he's a columnist author, for the New York Times. I found an article in the He'd New York Times a good friend. years ago. And uh, he um, he wrote this book called Stories That Bind Us. And it's still there if you want to look at it. But it is just fascinating because they had a group of kids that somebody was working with that he was doing, young children in a classroom, and they started trying to figure out, you know, would it make a difference if they knew about their family or not? And then 9-11 happened to all these children at the same time. It was a disaster were in their kids lives. Kids in New York. And they found that the ones that did the best, bouncing back and being resilient and going forward with their lives were the ones that knew the most on this little questionnaire about, uh, who am I? Where did I come from? Um, it is really that pretty was, amazing. That was the single most correlatable factor. They, 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 they knew that some kids had bounced back from that tragedy better than others, and they were trying to decide what separated the ones who were res resilient from the others. And the single thing that had the most correlation was how much they knew about their grandparents. Right. They actually Go came figure. up. They yeah. came they came up with a questionnaire called, do you know? And that yeah. was just questions. Do you know where your grandfather was born? Do you know a hard time that somebody had in your family? It was pretty interesting how that all correlated. You know, the stories can be simple. I'm thinking of another one in our ancestor book. It's called um, Grandpa Dean and the Car Wreck. That's the name of it. And again, these are written in kids' language because we produced them when, when our children were really small. But let me tell you how simple they can be. This one was about the first night that Grandpa Dean, my dad and my kid's grandfather, but one who died before any of them ever knew him, um, he finally got his driver's license. And he was driving this old, probably a Model A or Model T Ford or something, and he went to pick up his date. He was 16 years old, and he had this first date, and then he dropped her off after the date, and he was as he was driving home, he leaned over to get something out of the glove compartment of the car, and he looked down for a minute. It was late at night, and his car veered off to the right and, and glazed another car that was parked by the side of the road in front of a hotel in Rollins, Wyoming, where he lived. And he got out and looked, and there was no damage to his car, but it had made a scrape on this other car. But it was very late, and no one was around, and no one had heard it. And he thought, I better just go on home. I'm sure glad no one saw me do that. And he went on home. And then he got home, and his conscience bothered him. And even though it was the middle of the night, he went and got his dad. And he said, Dad, I'm so sorry, but I scraped the car on my way home. And I can't sleep because I know that I shouldn't have left. I should have tried to help. Well, quick to make a long story short, the grandpa, our kid's great grandpa, Howard, was great about this. He said, Dean, I'm so glad you were honest. Let's go over there first thing in the morning and find out whose car that is. And they went over and they found it was a guy staying in the hotel. And Dean said, I want to pay for that scrape. I've got some money from my paper route. And I'm, I'm leaving out a lot of details, but you get the idea. Just the fact that this grandpa had a conscience and he was honest and he did the right thing. And our kids never forget that story. They would forget it if it was just some story in a little book, but it's their grandfather. And that's the power of 
ancestor stories. But I, I want to bring it back to, again, you are going to someday be an ancestor. <laughs> mm-hmm. You need to write mm-hmm. your stories as well and share it with your children. We have a friend who just said, I, every night I tell my kids a story about my life when they go to bed and they're like, you were young once? <laughs> I can't oh believe it. Oh my gosh. No way. And it really is fun to record some of those hard things in your life. Sometimes your kids do think that your life is just either a, ro- you know, a bed of roses or that you are always in trouble. You know, and that there's not a lot good about your life. They need to know both sides. And it really is, it really is important. Yeah, it really is. So it's a wonderful weekend. It's uh, Mother's Day weekend. This would be actually a pretty good time to tell your kids some stories about mothers, about your mother, about your grandmother. Right, about your ancestors. In fact, as I was talking, I was thinking, I'm going to send these six stories. I've done research on six of my grandmothers who are amazing. I'm going to send that to my kids. Not that they're going to, it's all in 400 words. They're just short stories. That's that's also important. Yeah, they're not going to sit down and read a long treatise on uh, the whole life of somebody. But if you just have a short story, it really will be impactful for them. Now, some of you are saying, I, hey, I can't write. I'm not a writer. I can't write stories. Listen, you can. Any parent can take a story and start with the stories you already know, but your kids don't know, and then go from that to, to researching and finding other stories. You might want to try putting a family tree on your wall and putting pictures of these people. You need a way for the kid, or put it on the cover of your ancestor book, Kids need a way to connect themselves as limbs on a tree to the people on these roots of the tree. And you need to explain you came from them. Your genetics are theirs. You have their blood. You have their characteristics. And it'll be a great experience for you. So just know that we're going to be down there at Desert Book today. Um, Grandmothering is a great gift for your grandmother or your mother um, for Mother's Day, but you don't have to buy a book to come and chat. We would love to visit with some some of you out there who we just keep talking to the computer. We don't know who's out there. So just come on down and visit if you have time between 1230 and 230 today. And if you don't live in Utah, we'll see you another time. Most of you live far away, but we look forward to meeting as many of you as we can as we travel around speaking and doing other things. It's been a fun time to be with you and talk about idea number seven an ancestor book. Good luck and have a wonderful week. See you soon. Bye-bye.